I was gonna say, I've actually read the first chapter of this one three times now. Because it was like, when I thought I was like, oh, just in case I get this far. And then that week where I was like, I'm ready, Nemo! And then you never came home. <laughs> and then now again today. So you'd think that means that I remember it super good. And that now that I've had like a month and a half to really ruminate on it. Yeah. That it all is crystal clear to me. Nope. <laughs> I, think, like, I wouldn't think that, actually. <laughs> well, I wanted to think. But, like, I actually, I definitely, actually, I think I do um, understand why he did it more now than when I was first reading it. I was just like, why am I here? But now that I've, I've read far enough that I'm like, I see why he thought he needed to do this. Sometimes you just need an unplanned hiatus to realize, re realize what the true meaning of Christmas was. <laughs> Welcome to Bread and Barricades, Elena's podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I use they them pronouns. I am your host. And Stevie and I have both had the long, <laughs> not COVID, but somehow still the long. So I guess, well, that's not really officially why we had an unplanned hiatus, but that that's gonna be our excuse oh. it was a rest period um in which we didn't do any resting and just had <laughs> the busiest time of our lives in fact the opposite of a rest period a, <laughs> a, a busy period this is stevie she they pronouns uh primary researcher it was very not very like gallant of you in fact nemo <laughs> to uh take the blame on this one I, I was ready to come out here and be like it's a thousand percent my fault that an episode didn't go out uh, when it was meant to the first time yeah <laughs> i know we we're doing so good but um yeah it was con month and also everything else in our lives was happening so much at the same time and i was making four yeah. outfits in one month and also a full-time job and also our social lives had, had never been so busy it felt like <laughs> like everything really just like came and punched us in the face yeah couldn't take it, Hugo. Maybe if the plot had been happening, I could have <laughs> taken it, but I couldn't. <laughs> if it was about Andras, you would have been there, sexy twink, but no, just reality. Hugo's sexy twink. Well, <laughs> I guess Andras is Hugo's sexy twink, but. <laughs> His preferred sexier twink? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for all my big words and chat about like unless you all beg I'll really slowly make our way through these coming chapters before you can earn and draw less <laughs> the hiatus has worked in everyone's favour I want these chapters over with we are <laughs> getting through as many of these pages as it takes to like Enjolas is like on the horizon I can see him he's waving at me and I'm getting us to him and oh it doesn't matter what I have to gloss over to make it so that I can be done with these chapters that I've reread so many times now. Stevie, you know what? Um, it, this won't be published on Barricade Day, but we are recording on Barricade oh. Day. So you know what's happened? Andreas's spirit has flowed through <laughs> you. His blood on those cobblestones has um, seeped into your blood. And now you have the fury of um, him. I must go to him. He needs me. <laughs> well, that's exciting. We'll we'll understand him today yeah. together, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. But first, to understand <laughs> Angelas, we must understand Louis Philippe, who of is course. the king at the time, post that uh, 1830 various revolutions that we've been chatting about so much recently. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, sorry, I just this will obviously horribly date the podcast as well. I mean, I already said what date we're recording, Barricade Day, but um the the monarchy and the the uh rev uh revolution thing just reminded me of the the tweet that's gone very viral that the Lemes like official Twitter posted, which is like a commemorative um Elizabeth oh Queen <laughs> Jubilee plate. And it's like, yeah, celebrate the Jubilee and like there's like a hundred thousand posts from people being like, oh yeah, of course, Les Mis, the 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 famously pro-monarchist <laughs> musical. Yeah, little Cosette, she really 
loved that king. (laughs) Well, in a... Should we, we should just never be shocked ever by any th- twists that he yeah. throws at us. He's like, so in this chapter titled Louis Philippe, he's like, mm. I'm gonna on balance. I like, I'm. Actually, I, I will read for you the last thing he says at the end of this long chapter. Mm. <laughs> that Louis Philippe has been judged severely by some, perhaps harshly by others. Um, and it is quite natural that a man, himself a phantom at present, who knew that king, should come and testify in his favour before history. But, hmm. I mean, obviously, above all else, <laughs> this testimony is completely disinterested. This uh-huh. is, like, this is just one shade consoling another. And there's little fear that will ever be said of two tombs in exile, this one flattered the other. Legally, (laughs) I, Victor Hugo, do not care about the king or the monarchy, and I distance myself completely. But... (laughs) So, yeah, literally, so... Have in mind that that's the last thing that he says (laughs) after everything that comes before it. Yeah. What like it was just like reading this chapter and then getting to the end where he's like, Oh, you know, like but I mean clearly I'm disinterested <laughs> in like being too nice to him. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um oh there's just so much. Ugh, so much underlined. A good fellow, a good prince, one who slept with his own wife. <laughs> Which, like, to be fair, that is a pretty big deal. No, so this is all about Louis Philippe. He like knows so many languages. He um, declares himself an uh, Orleans instead of a Bourbon, which uh, is good optics, uh, you might mm-hmm. say, um, because the Bourbons are the monarchs that have just been ushered out. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he technically is one, but is like leaning more on his like other name. That sounds a bit better post-revolution. Um, he's well-read, but has little feeling for literature. Which is okay in a, a king, but not in uh, Madame Thénardier. No. Or how, in Javert. How dare they not enjoy their reading? <laughs> a gentleman, adored by his family and household. He's always ready to risk his life. He's very good at disguising his will as influence, so it seems like we're just following what he thinks instead of following a king um again great optics uh-huh. um got a great memory uh distinguished exceptional individual who exerts authority despite france's misgivings and shows strength in spite of europe's distrust and he will be classed among the eminent men of his age and he once was handsome, and he was liked, and he's got charm and wit. Um, he's really good. So, like, this is a, the king that, um, as has been set before, kind of has to marry the, like, post-revolution, but we still want some kind of monarchy. So mm. he's kind of having to serve the best of both, both worlds. Mm. This transitional reign. Um, so he's very... He is like quite good at that, apparently. Mm. That um has the manners of the old regime, but the habits of the new one. So like it was kind of that mm. I think that thing, you know, where like no one's fully happy, but no one's too unhappy. At least that's what this chapter's like. And then in the next chapter he's like, so anyway, everyone was very unhappy. You know, if <laughs> you know, if Andras and the Barricade Boys were in a boy band, like maybe a K-pop band, and uh-huh. they went to see Louis Philippe, uh-huh. who is kind of like Joe Biden. Uh-huh. <laughs> it would be like that thing that happened this week in which K-pop band BTS went to the White House to meet Joe Biden. <laughs> and Louis Philippe, Louis Philippe would have to do the finger heart. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and he would be everyone's favourite bias. I can't believe you haven't already drawn this. I expect that on my desk for tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) 
also um in a more serious uh more slightly more related I, that was fairly related i'm, I'm making the uh, victor hugo for the kids anyway um in a slightly more related thing um the description of louis philippe reminded me a lot of the description of felix ptolemy's ah. um in that like you know him being a young guy who's well read and really handsome and charming and all that kind of thing but like ultimately a douchebag yeah i just really didn't feel like hugo ever got to the and here's why he's a douchebag because there's like the sprinklings where he's like (laughs) it feels like he's doing a lukewarm version of here's why he's shit Mm. but then arguably and you know i don't want to protect hugo in any way here's a here's a argument could it be said that like we see how fontaine like we only see ptolemy's like being a dickhead from like how he treats fontaine and we only see louis philippe being a dickhead by how he has treated france so we see like the good parts of him being a like a, a person like we see ptolemy's like charmingness because we're in the moment with fontaine we're like seeing him face to face but then only once he's like kind of in a distance or left that you're like oh shit like he was a that was bad actually mm. yeah that's interesting okay i will bear that in mind as we go forward Mm. I mean, bearing in, yeah, like, considering that I don't remember these chapters at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, they do revolt during the time of his reign. Yeah. So, like, the the vibes, Hugo, I think that it is... So the reason that Hugo was doing this to us is because we're so close to the Barricade Boys. So he's like, yeah. look, I really need to really put the brakes on and be like, here's what was going on, here's why they're doing some rebellion Mm. and i believe based only on these chapters that um there's not a lot of like happiness with this king Uh and that hugo's actually almost going like not completely the other way like he does do his little bits of like oh if only he had done this and what was his Mm. greatest failing he was too good of a dad and he should have been a better king he just like cares about his family and i guess that his family was where was it oh they were an admirable bunch so what can you do um Uh but it's almost like the expectation is that you would just badmouth this king. So he goes like, well, I mean, well, he's, he's trying. And that like, okay, so this this stuff, he's like, Louis Philippe cannot be held responsible for all the charges history lays against him because mm-hmm. there are some charges that royalty is to blame, for some charges the reign should be to blame, and then for others the king, the actual person should be to blame. That you're like, okay. Um, So his argument is that three columns that each give a different total. Democratic Mm -hmm. rights suspended. Progress reduced to a matter of secondary importance. Street protests violently suppressed. uh, Insurrections called by military force. Rioters fired on. Blah, blah, blah. Government by the privileged 300,000. That's the royalties doing. So I guess royalty being the institution Mm. question mark then so full stop belgium refused algeria too harshly conquered in the same Mm. way that england too harshly conquered india um with more barbarity Mm. than civilization uh Mm. this is the regime's doing and then a policy that's more family-based than national that's the king's doing so Mm. he's arguing that louis philippe the dude was like kind of okay maybe um but that so we should be more like (laughs) hate the game not the player (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really interesting that algeria was mentioned but i guess that was a Mm. very big thing that was happening at at this time yeah i mean uh, clearly didn't just click onto wikipedia but uh, (laughs) french colonization 1830 to 1962 yeah 1830 being the capturing of Algiers. So yeah, huge, huge thing. I have no more political weight on that apart mm. from it's interesting that it was mentioned in the like. Was it Hugo? Was it 
Hugo and not Stevie that added the the like British invasion of India. No, that was Hugo. Ah, yeah. So that's yeah, interesting. He's got a lot to dunk on England about this chapter, which that is quite that's always thrilling for us. Mm. But it, but it did say like worse than the colonization of India, right? Or was that? Uh, so but Algeria too harshly conquered and like India by the English with more barbarity than civilization. Mm. Uh, so we're as bad as each other. I yeah. think he's okay. saying. Uh, yeah, that's that's a very um. Like I feel like that's probably one of the only times, maybe the only time in this novel where um, uh, France and England and whiteness is considered barbaric mm. rather than civilized. Yeah, there was. Uh... Yeah, later on we'll get to it. He does talk about a load of like white French people as savage, but as a good thing. So you're like, okay. oh, subverting my expectations. Interesting. Um but yeah, there's like a couple things in these ones where he's like, you don't want to be compared to England. <laughs> They're mm. real shit right now. Yep. <laughs> you're like, yep. Right now um, in scare quotes. I mean f- forever, but like Hugo's like, they're really shit right now. And you're like, mm. <laughs> would have loved if that could have changed. But here we go. <laughs> um but yeah, so he's like, so I guess this is him being like, yes, I know that these boys are going to revolt mm. under this dude's regime, but like, Louis Philippe is my homeboy. <laughs> but the things that are done in his name are maybe not great. Right. Because um, yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. as we on balance, the king has less to answer for than royalty and the regime has. And you're like, Okay. It really does sound like the the people right now, like because, like I said, it's the jubilee happening, mm. and all of those people who are like talking about the queen, the British queen, and being like, oh, but she's such a darling, and she's re- so refined, and she's so amazing, and there's she's like so cute. loads of like news articles coming out out about all of the like atrocities that she personally has done and everyone's like no but that's just that but no but she personally is so like elegant and her corgis haha and look she's drinking tea with paddington bear oh my god that i can uh, sarah's face when that happens <laughs> um... yeah yeah so i guess this is hugo's apology tour <laughs> No, not Hugo. He it, it's not him. It it's it's the ghost of the narrator who 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 has to who feels compelled to. It's it's not it's not Hugo as himself. It's a, a fellow exile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People can just be cancelled for anything nowadays, and, and it's not that it's not that I'm supporting him personally. It's just that as someone who has been cancelled for a reason, you just need to see that there are two sides to the story. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because he, he does bring that up more as well of being like here's why he was good actually mm. um because he's ha- you know having to carry within himself the contradiction between restoration and revolution because mm. he so louis philippe had actually been exiled for a time um like properly was like banished and homeless and poor and had to teach and work oh my god (laughs) the plebeian yeah so then when he comes back as king he's just like yeah i'm gonna fucking fire some bourgeoisie with enthusiasm (laughs) um so like he goes loving that um because we as we know from earlier he goes like it's it's no one's fault but the bourgeois yeah (laughs) it's their fault for everything ever Yeah. yeah Uh, and because so he because he'd you know been around during revolution that had left quite a mark on him so he's this king of total transparency and while he reigned there was freedom of the press and parliamentary freedom and freedom of science and speech and that he hugo's hoping that uh, history will recognize him for his honesty and that louis philippe now faces judgment before the human conscious but that that trial is still in progress. So I think this came up before that he's like, we're, it's too soon now. Like we can't judge fairly, mm. or whatever the a good word for that. You know, where it's like every it's too close to everyone. Only with time and space will you be able to like, in a calculating way, be like, here's the pros and cons. I guess. Mm. 
And that, yeah, so that Louis Philippe, great guy, but what's against Louis Philippe? The throne. And that, yeah, that he finally gets to the, like, well, I guess, like, yeah, he's good. And not everything's his fault, but he is the king, so that does make him look bad, that he's the king while bad things are happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, like, what comes with being the king is that you've kind of got to take, you're there to be a figurehead. Yeah. So you're going to be made the figurehead of problems. Yeah, wild that. <laughs> but that something he does that uh, is admirable is that he really didn't want the death penalty so he would stay up late and like go through court cases and basically make sure that as many people as uh in criminal cases wouldn't be sent to an executioner hmm. so it's kind of like the impression i kind of get of louis philippe through the eyes of victor hugo that you're like well if only he wasn't the king <laughs> <laughs> and didn't have to stand for all these other things. <laughs> what what kind yeah. of man would he have been? Hugo makes it sound like he might have been a good man. Louis Philippe wasn't. Was he the one that. Was he the king that Voltaire liked or not? Because that sounds like some very Voltaire ish. Uh, <laughs> when was oh, Voltaire like? Louis Philippe was tutored by a countess. Of Genly, um, she instilled in him a fondness for liberal thought. It is probably during this period that Louis Philippe picked up his slightly Voltairean brand of Catholicism. Um, Okay. Always comes back to you, doesn't it, Voltaire? (laughs) Voltaire died in 78, so it probably wasn't. In 1778? Yeah, 1778. And Louis Philippe I was born in 73. So. Mm. So Louis Philippe probably ad- ad- adapted Voltairianisms, as as this thing said, but um, mm-hmm. didn't learn directly from him. Who hasn't he influenced Voltaire? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying really desperately to bring it back, but but because like um, it, it's kind of funny because um, Voltaire, like when after he, after he died, the people like paraded him through the streets, paraded as corpse through the streets, being like he's so anti-monarchist and we love him, he instilled in us this like virtue and like yeah, down with the monarchy but he was so pro-monarchy even till the day Mm. he died, but one of the things that he did do was like help loads of people who couldn't um, afford or weren't educated enough to um, appeal court cases Mm. that, that Louis Philippe thing of yeah, staying up late yeah. to appeal sounds very Voltairean, so Oh, you did some good then, Voltaire. <laughs> yeah, a, a a king, a monarch who uh, doesn't hate you. <laughs> yeah. Cause he had such a like daddy love me thing with the the monarchy who kept being like literally pissed off and then being like, but but baby <laughs> And then being like, you literally wrote hateful things about us, and being like, but but I love you. <laughs> I just want you to be better. <laughs> well, at least there's that, I guess, for you, Louis Philippe. <laughs> um, and then Hugo does this, like, oh, you know, oh, judge severely, oh, but ah, oh, this testimony disinterested, <laughs> whoa, one shade flattering the other, blah. <laughs> and then we get into cracks in the foundations so he's mm-hmm. like we've had our like here like he's okay but uh i guess he was kind of setting up that like right kids there's about to be some more revolutions um and some more civil unrest mm. but you're gonna want to blame the king for that but is it not the fault of the institution and the regime mm-hmm. more than this boy so i feel like he doesn't want us to blame Louis Philippe, personally. Which, okay. (laughs) Like, hmm. In a way, I can kind of see, I mean, just phrasing it that way of like, it's the institution, not just this person. But also, (laughs) also we don't need to do an apology tour of Liz. (laughs) Which yeah. Flatty Jubes has ended up being. Um, mm. But 
yeah, that we should like abolish all monarchy, not just one monarchy, one man. Hmm. Oh yeah, this is so. I in my head, I thought we were another chapter ahead. We're still on the um, not maybe not quite as much of an apology tour as the last chapter, but mm-hmm. like a little bit. Mm-hmm. That he's like, look, Lou Philippe was told that there was a vote, and that's why he was put in charge. So like, he thought that he was given this power in good faith. How was he to know that this isn't the case? Hmm. Um, so he had been given the mandate to rule. He'd not like taken the authority. Um, and then Hugo's like, you know, the hurricane defends the wind, the ocean defends the water, the king defends royalty. That's just how it goes. Uh-huh. Um, mm. And that like, that he's like, this isn't right. So rightness can't have one leg in two shores at once. So it can't have one foot in the Republic and one foot in royalty. Mm. But those who are mistaken are sincere in their mistakes. So Louis <laughs> Philippe thinks he's in the right. He's not, says Hugo. But like, it's not his fault for thinking <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hmm. But he can't get in any more. He's already exiled, so I don't understand why he's being so protective. Maybe it is his editor kind of being like, hey. Maybe, but like, I don't know. Perhaps. Maybe this is a thing to read up more on. Yeah. But you know, if it was just like a little sprinkling, you'd be like, okay, maybe you'll be like, you you have been also exiled. Maybe you've been forced. Mm. But I have summarized quite a lot of the. pages of like well he did this and he's good at this and he's good at this and he's good at this and he's also good at this and have you considered he's good at this Mm. (laughs) so i don't know hard to say and because also he was like oh you know during his reign there was free press although i guess that implies that during the reign that he hugo was writing this there isn't a free press (laughs) so maybe he does have to be more careful yeah yeah i mean at least in voltaire's time which is literally the only (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I know more about Voltaire than I know about anything else. Um, <laughs> Good as it should be. The the thing that like to publish anything you had to like go through like you had to literally have a monarch. You either had to dedicate mm. it to them. Yeah, you had to dedicate it to a monarch, and they they had to like read it, or someone close to them had to read it to make sure that they that you were publishing something. So yeah. I don't know whether Lemis had to go through that. So yeah. Maybe he likes Louis Philippe so much because it, that he had a free press for a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, wasn't that great? Wasn't that the best thing he ever did? <laughs> Shouldn't we definitely not slag off him more so that we can get the free press back again, guys, <laughs> gang, crew? Fellas, well, all this to say, let us conclude this introduction. That is to say. Uh, I've got it written down, wait. So, the government of 1830, it had a hard life from the beginning. It was only born yesterday, today it already has to fight. In fact, it started fighting the day before. It's a hard Uh, life, but it's the the right right life. So, resistance to this new regime that's literally just been born Mm -hmm. is, or, like, had began before it even started and the hostility is just growing every month Mm -hmm. so as we have said little accepted by kings outside of france the july revolution has been diversely interpreted within france oh so hugo this chapter hugo's actually got some stuff to say that you're like this is actually kind of interesting (laughs) um so god makes his will visible to men in events but it's an obscure text written in a mysterious language, and men produce instant translations, hasty, incorrect translations, full of errors, gaps, and misconstructions. The most discerning, the most calm, the most profound will decipher slowly, but by the time they've made their translations, it's kind of already too late, and everyone have already made their choices based on those bad translations of events. And every translation gives birth to a new party 
and each misconstruction a new faction. So every party thinks it has the true text, and every faction thinks it possesses the light. So I found that interesting when I read it, at least. The like, we're all just trying to interpret events, like, literally as a happening. Like, in mm. Hugo's case, he's saying that it's like God's will, and when interpreting his will badly but i guess it's i think it just applies to everything we're all just doing our best to figure out what's going on yeah and you've got to react so fast that we're all just doing our best it would be great if we could all take the time to like properly understand everything that's happening all at once all the time yeah but by the time you've done that some other shit's already happened god imagine thinking this and not having access to twitter like you thought everything was happening to you victor hugo yeah jesus like literally like yeah just oh god everything happens so much but then (laughs) it does kind of seem at odds a little bit with the fact that like a page ago he was like oh obviously um louis philippe was in the wrong um he wasn't in the right but we shouldn't doubt him i don't know he seemed very like like that whole stuff about rightness and justness and stuff from mm. um, last episode is very like it's not quite black and white, but it's fairly black and white. Whereas this seems like the kind of like oh, you know, not everything is black and white, which I also agree with. <laughs> yeah. Like things, things are things aren't black and white. Things aren't good, left, bad, right, or whichever way. Like. We do need to have more thought into going into things and I wish Mm. we had more time to consider everything that's happening and um, you shouldn't believe one Tumblr post for all of your like political (laughs) views. But yeah, that seems like completely at odds with with what Hugo has been setting up with the like, there is rightness and there is justness and Mm. it has to fit into these things. And also Louis Philippe was wrong, but right or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But... What he was saying last episode, wasn't mm. it like, what you need is good intentions, uh, and that's what matters the most. Yeah, yeah. So, through Hugonian logic, <laughs> where we have to corkscrew our way through every every topic where you're like, so does Hugo like the monarchy or not? And you're like, well, actually, 20-page essay. Yeah. With no conclusion. Yeah. That <laughs> you're like... Maybe through Hugo's logic, all of this isn't mutually exclusive. It yeah. all makes perfect sense to him. Yeah. On any given day when he wrote a new chapter <laughs> and it's new Hugo, new me. <laughs> uh, every dinner party that he went to, every guest yeah. that he talked to. <laughs> mm. So often even the ruling power is a faction so we're getting into finally the the revolution and and stuff um so revolutions derive from the right to revolt Mm -hmm. and some people think that it's the right for the okay wait i'm just going to read this sentence instead of trying to paraphrase it okay so revolutions deriving from the right to revolt the old parties who cling to the principle of the God-given right of inheritance see themselves as having the right to revolt against revolution. Okay, yeah. So, a revolution happens because things are shit. Uh-huh. And then the people who revolted against are like, well, I don't like this new one. I'm going to revolt. So we go back to the old one. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what the right to revolt means? And he goes like, wrong! <laughs> um, <laughs> For in revolutions, it's not the people who are in revolt, it's the king. Mm. Revolution is the opposite of revolt. Because revolution is a moral occurrence, which basically means it's not the result of a accident or anything. Like It's a necessity. Like We had to revolt because things are so bad mm. that there's no choice. We must. Mm. So a revolution is a return from the artificial to the real. Mm. So he finally brings his reality stuff back. Okay. Um, So revolution happens because it must. Mm. It does kind of make sense because in in the same way that people are like, why is there no straight pride? Or why is there no like white rights Mm. matter? And it's like, well, because one of them was created in antithesis of the other. So you can't do the other thing and call it revolution because we're revolting against you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. The status quo. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, Hugo, you got it. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah. Okay, he's got some other ones coming up as well. We were like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so 1830, failed to meet its obligations to the people. Mm-hmm. So then democracy is outraged, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, July establishment, which I'm pretty sure is a.k.a. Louis Philippe, mm-hmm. Is like in the center of the struggle where it represented the present moment grappling with centuries of monarchy on the one hand and what is actually right on the other hand. Mm. So it was like also a difficult time, like with foreign policy as well for Europe, for Europe, for France with Europe right now, because you know, we just had Napoleon uh, going around throwing his weight about. Mm. Um, so France is kind of having to be like, oh, we won't do it again, hmm. Europe. And a harmony that goes against the grain is often worse than a war. So there's peace, but everyone's like kind of not thrilled about it. And at home, there's poverty and wages and education and the condition of women and wealth and destitution. There's like so many issues going on. There's a lot of movement in political parties like wanting to deal with these issues Mm. and then of course because that's exactly what we need when things are going on like that out comes a philosophical philosophical movement that's also feeling troubled but differently (laughs) and that they want to more like think about things (laughs) um (laughs) these dreamers some isolated some in family gatherings delved into social issues peacefully but profoundly. Um, So they leave the political parties to question the rights of men and they're thinking about the the question of happiness. (laughs) You know, Uh it's like things that are important as well. But, you know, when you're like, everyone's starving. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if now's the time. But maybe that is the time. Who's just... I I guess I, I shouldn't judge. Um, well, yeah, I mean, as <laughs> someone who's told oh, is a fucking writer, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's in a time where, like, literally, yeah, kids are starving in the fucking UK, and we just, as a country, spent billions, literal mm. billions of pounds celebrating a queen. Ugh. I hate it when this book feels so relevant. <laughs> Oh, there's more coming. Yeah, all these questions are kind of flying around, like, how do we solve the issue of happiness? But how do we solve, you know, the poverty and the hunger and the etc.? Yeah. Did you see that thing that was like, if every, if the, the amount, if the budget spent on the Platinum Jubilee uh, celebration was split between every household in the UK, everyone would get like £100,000. Oh my god. And I was like, wow. That would, that would, that would do a lot to help Help. everything in this country. But um, no, I guess everything, every single station in the country needed like 50 flags. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but I saw one that was like, that like every child in school got given like a Platinum Jubilee mug and like... All those kind of things that it's like a lot of kids only get one meal a day and that's the one they eat at school. And there's been such huge cuts to school dinners in in the UK that it's just like atrocious. (laughs) Maybe the money spent on giving them all like (laughs) a bit of tat, but like... I can't, I don't I can't remember what celebration happened in our lifetime when we were kids, but I had a some sort of jubilee mug that we were also given in school years ago mm. that you're like, this is never gonna be worth something. No. Well, I mean maybe <laughs> they are, but all if they give one to every single child in school, you're like, Well then everyone has one, so that like drives the cost down anyway of like what it could potentially be worth, surely. Yeah. Yeah. So like what was the point? <laughs> I mean yeah. propaganda, but but uh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that post as well. Like everyone saying, like um, it's not just like one per household, but it's one per child. So like houses that had like four or five kids had mm. four or five of the fucking notebooks and the no, they weren't notebooks. They were like propaganda books about Queen Elizabeth's life and mugs and stuff. So yeah, God, uh, I hate this country so much. <laughs> 
Anyway, back to Victor Hugo. But back to friends. <laughs> um, so these men who like group together under various names, but uh, maybe referred to by the generic term socialists, strive to pierce that, <laughs> uh, pierce the rock and bring forth the living waters of human happiness. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking about the rights of men, which were proclaimed by the French Revolution, and they want to add to it the rights of women and the rights of children. I'm sure white is assumed. Yeah, um, yeah. And then he goes like, it will cause no surprise if for various reasons. I wish, you know, every time he goes like, I'm not going to say more. You're like, you say more every day. What's making you not say more? Say more right now. <laughs> for various reasons. We do not here deal in depth with the theoretical viewpoint with the issue raised by socialism. We're just going to outline them. Okay. Um, so, bullet points, the issues raised by socialism. First mm-hmm. problem, how to produce wealth. Second problem, how to share it out. First problem contains the issue of work. The second, the issue of wages. The first is about the use of resources. The second, about the distribution of benefits. Effective use of resources results in national strength. Fair distribution of benefits results in individual happiness. So fair distribution should be understood to mean not equal, but equitable distribution. The fundamental equality is equity. Hmm. So we're getting like a economics lesson. Yeah. Um, but that you're like, yeah. Well, I because now I've read these chapters like three times. I think the first time I was like, well, Hugo, yeah. But then you read further and it's like, oh, he's just like saying what these people thought. So I I would have given Hugo a lot more credit for being like, Mm. equality should really be equity where not everyone needs the same thing to be on equal footing. Mm. I I did just have to Google when the Communist Manifesto was published. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to tell you all about Hugo telling me about communism right now. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, 1848 um, was when Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels published the Communist Manifesto, which was obviously before Victor Hugo published Les Mis, but after this chapter is set. I feel like years ago we were like, we should look up what Hugo thought of communism. Yeah, and now we're getting and it. And now it's come. But first... Um, oh, no, you go. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say that I I, ha- I actually haven't read the Communist Manifesto, but I was scrolling through and something just ca- caught my eye, which was bourgeois socialism. The Marxian view is such that the bourgeois socialist is the sustainer of the current state of bourgeois class relations. Um, so I feel like that's very um, Victor Hugo. Mm. Yeah, he's going to get into that, is Hugo. Mm. So he says, uh, bearing in mind, you know, the problems and the solutions that he's laid out. England solves the first of these two problems. She creates wealth admirably. She shares it out badly. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. So m- monstrous wealth monstrous penury, all the benefits going to a few, privilege, distinction, monopoly, feudalism are the actual I'm fruits so of labor. I'm so glad that things have changed. <laughs> so glad that we, we don't live in the 19th century. Bases national strength on private misery. Wow, that doesn't sound relatable at all. <laughs> A badly constituted grandeur consisting of all the material elements, but no moral element. <laughs> Unrelated to anything, but did you see the 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 carriage of um, Queen Elizabeth? Oh my god! That, that she was a vocaloid and just waving from that. Like weird. That's not related to what you've just said, but um, none. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the the Queen's speech that she didn't actually do, but her. Son, hus- no, her husband's dead. Yeah, her son who looks old. Son. Um, you know that speech that he gave in his like golden, like there was like a golden facade. I don't even know where he was sitting. He was sitting <laughs> on a throne, and like he was just being like, "Yes, we must do more to help the children who are in poverty." <laughs> it was like, "Yep, no notes. <laughs> yep. Good job." <laughs> 
Anyway, taking a second away from dunking on an England that's definitely not like that anymore, Victor Hugo, promise. Um, So communism think they're the solution to the second problem. The second problem Mm. being how do we share the wealth? Um, They're also wrong. (laughs) Their distribution (laughs) kills production. Equal allocation puts an end to competition and consequently to work. So... Uh, he doesn't actually get in that one as much he's just like it's just bad um mm. but that i think i think that he's saying that it doesn't do the like sharing things out uh to uh yeah he goes in sorry he goes into it a bit more further on where yeah where it's like if you take away say you get rid of all properties because we must all be equal in that we if we shouldn't all have but then mm-hmm. people should, what if we just gave everyone a home? And Hugo's like, it's a lot easier to achieve than people think. Uh, making yeah. everyone a property owner that you're like, okay. <laughs> okay. Not where I thought you were going to go, but yeah, mm. right. Brother, comrade Hugo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of comrade Hugo. But he's like, your communism's not good enough. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, because what he, he wants the way that England makes wealth and the way that communism wants to share to get married combine these yeah. two solutions to provide a single solution and Hugo's like, it's, it's not even hard um, but Hugo does know that the way that England makes wealth is is the yeah. capitalism thing, right? and the imperialism it's the thing like... that you just said was bad Hugo yeah mm. but just gotta let him dunk some more on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, you solve only the first of those two problems, you'll be like Venice or worse, England. <laughs> um, like Venice, you'll have artificial strength. Or like England, material strength. You will be the villainous rich. Yeah, you will. <laughs> You're like, read us. <laughs> you'll perish under physical attack like Venice did. Or through bankruptcy, as England will come to... But he's like, it's not happened yet, but it's gonna happen. It's gonna get you, England. Yeah, predicting Brexit from <laughs> hundreds of years before. Mm. And then he's like, look, well, we're using the words Venice and England to refer, but like not to the people, just to the social structures. Um, not the nations themselves. We, the nations have our respect, but um... I have loads of friends who are English. <laughs> Literally. Then he's like, England is a nation, immortal, you're fine, it's great, but like your aristocracy, they're shit. That said, let us continue. Uh, and then he's like, just give them education, just give everyone stuff and a house. It's not, yeah. it's easier to achieve than people think. In short, just learn how to produce wealth and how to distribute it. Like, just do it. Oh my god. And then. And then, Nemo, and uh-huh. only then, will uh-huh. you be worthy of calling yourself friends? Oh my god! <laughs> Victor, you know you have a monarchy too, right? You know, this whole novel is about how there's too much poverty in France and there's no education. Oh my god! Oh my god, that fully took me out. My face, I'm smiling in a way that's like hurting my face, that's like unhinged. Hugo, what is your nationalism? <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. So, this wow. is what socialism is, apart from, you know, a few misguided <laughs> sects, but like, this is what we should achieve. Admirable it has the energy of um, those posts, like during COVID, of like all of the shortages. Um, you know, like you know, loads of people, especially in America, are posting like pictures of like um, supermarkets that were like all the shelves were empty, and they were like, "This is what socialism looks like," and it's oh like, my God. "You were literally <laughs> posting what consumerism looks like, like capitalism." That's what you live on. That that's what's happening right now. And that's Victor Hugo coming in, slapping a big old. But France would never over it. <gasps> if only we were worthy of being called France. <laughs> Imagine. If only I was a Parisian, then Victor mm. Hugo would love me. <laughs> only then. 
And, you know, Louis Philippe, he's trying to be true to his ancestors and he's trying to be have faith in the revolution and defending this and that. And, you know, there's Parliament and it's, there's a mob and he's got to maintain these rivalries. And it's hard for him and he's overwhelmed with the difficulty of being king. <laughs> so... Uh, and France is like crumbling to dust underneath his feet. That's what how he feels, says Hugo. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's unrest. All this to say. Mm-hmm. So barely twenty months have passed since the Dry Lie Revolution. It's eighteen thirty-two, and there's an ominous atmosphere going on right now. The people have been suffering. Whackers are going hungry. Things are getting a bit dicey. Um, Belgium. Belgium offering herself to a French prince and giving herself to an English prince. Mm. Um, Nicholas, oh, what's his second? Well, he's not said his second name. We're on first name basis with uh, Nicholas's Russian hatred. Mm. So whoever the Tsar is, Brussels has also gotten rid of um, their long ruling line of monarchs. The same way Paris got rid of the Bourbons, and it's all going on and. Eyes all over Europe are watching France with annoyance. <laughs> We're so cringe right now. <laughs> um, England's barely a dubious ally, ready to push to any teetering and pounce on what should fall. Um, the cross has been removed from Notre Dame. <gasps> the fleur de lis erased from the king's carriage. <gasps> Lafayette marginalized. <laughs> oh my god. Social disorder is breaking out. It's the grim clamor of ideas added to the grim turmoil of events. So, as he set up, there's a lot going on and a lot of unrest. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where people are just... Spe- so we're in the Parisian streets, and France eyes Paris mm-hmm. when there's unrest, and Paris eyes Faubourg Saint-Antoine, which is an area that basically, like, that's the finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. So if there's, like, a lot of unrest going on in that street, then the rest of Paris is like, oh, shit. And if that is going on, then the rest of France is looking at Paris like, oh, shit. Uh Um, So there's so much unrest that people aren't even being, um, like, secretive about having their little secret meetings in coffee shops and cafes Mm. and the same thing as a coffee shop Um, Mm. and bars, you know, spreading their subversive pamphlets and... Mm. They're just like reading them in public rooms, chat about revolution, and everyone's gotten like very blasé about it. Just, mm. yeah, willing to be like, well, you know, if there's going to be a revolution in four days, we'll be ready because there's like 25,000 men ready to fight the government. And we've got weapons mm. and we could, we could just go, we could go right now, just like the second the moment's right, it's going to happen. We're ready. Um, mm. Loads of these kind of, meetings go on where yeah where you're sort of like discussing yeah we're not happy yeah we 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 could rise yeah like how many Mm. bullets did you say you have and people just start like being armed quite casually Uh, that people would ask how's the uprising in the same tone of voice that they might have asked how's your life (laughs) (laughs) i like that they're kind of like trying to um i guess not on purpose, but it, it it has the same vibes of like trying to distract the FBI FBI agent who reads all your text messages. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I enjoyed that about it. But yeah, so it's just so it's just such a thing that it's almost not even a thing. Yeah, that there's like some spies like sort of trying to figure out like is it going to happen, sort of acquiring the notes that people are passing to each other mm. the like this is where we'll meet and these I've been given these orders and acquire this many bags of gunpowder or whatever but mm. they almost like don't need to be doing that because literally people are just like yeah I'll fucking talk about this in the middle of the road like they're, uh-huh. they're not just doing this in their little secret cafe meetings they're yeah. just like come on in we're talking about her, how much we fucking hate the bourgeoisie again. Mm. Who rules that? Monsieur Philippe? No, bourgeoisie. So there's just like a lot of words being spoken mm. by how ready everyone's to throw down at any given moment. God, I wish that was us. <laughs> I liked this one as well. 
one worker drinking with a comrade made the latter feel how hot he was. Ooh, the other man felt a pistol under his waistcoat. They were like, was it a pistol? Uh, is that your pistol under there or are you just happy to see the revolution? <laughs> feel how hot I am. Hot and sweaty pistol. Ready for to revolt. Feeling frisky. Um, everyone is feeling quite frisky, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, and there's just, like, between all these societies, so this is also a thing, like, because it's such a big thing, and everyone's kind of, all the people talking about these things so much, that the societies are kind of getting, like, quite split up, actually. Because you've mm. got, like, the Society of the Rights of Man, the Society of Action, the Gaelic Society, Municipal municipalities Mm. organization committee association of the freedom of the press the individual freedom education of the people indirect taxation society of egalitarian workers the communists the reformers the army of the bastilles um maybe this isn't a great one-to-one but (laughs) maybe this isn't the time to get into it but you know it kind of made me think of lgbtq plus queer community Hmm. where if you like faction off super hard it almost makes it harder for us as a community to be a community and like rally together and have a bigger voice that gets taken more seriously Hmm. um and he sort of you know mentions in all of these lists that he's like oh you know and an offshoot so it's like an offshoot of an offshoot of an offshoot um Hmm. is the society of the friends of the abc Maybe you've heard of them. Mm. Mm. Based on foreshadowing and having seen the film, you're like, oh. <laughs> they thought everyone was going to rise with them. Like, they mm. really thought that. Which, now I'm like, oh no, I've been spoiled. But <laughs> the factions have been split down so many times and you're like, maybe hearing from like, you got a note from a note from a note that's mm. like, oh, the central committee said this, mm. but there's so many factions that like, how do you actually know that everyone's mm. actually serious? Even though we're like, we're like talking big talk, but like, it's like um, DC. Yeah, it, no, is it DC or Marvel that <laughs> releases Morbius? <laughs> <'Cause> they saw <laughs> uh, all of the memes and they were like. Ah, yes. Our film is going to be really popular. The people shall rise to watch Morbius. <laughs> and then it bombed for a second time. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh no, ABC boys. Oh, ABC twinks. You were morbed. Because <laughs> 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 mm. yeah, so the Faubourg Saint Antoine... Well, however I said it last time, that neighbourhood that's mm. the finger on the pulse mm. is a sore spot. Everything's in turmoil. Mm. Um, there's so many miseries hidden under attic roofs and bankruptcies and strikes are going on and just so many years of unrest. It's like an area that's been really hit by like whenever anything's going on, it just sort of hits them really badly. So they're just like waiting for a spark in that area. Mm. But in troubled times, people get more drunk on words than on wine. <laughs> oh, apart from one man. Apart from one boy. <laughs> so, ah, here's where we got the, um, here's where he gets to. So the population in this particular area is savage. Let us explain. They're basically, they want to end oppression and tyranny and strife. And they want work for men and education for children and goodwill towards women and bread for all and fraternity and progress so badly to and they've been driven to such an extreme because of how shit the situation is for them that it's become like a roar in their throats and like a bludgeon in their hands they were savages yes but for savages for civilization asserting rightfulness with fury they seemed barbarians and they were saviors wearing the mask of darkness they clamored for the light (laughs) Hmm. Mask of Darkness, huh? Mm, yeah, I actually didn't catch that one until I read it out just now. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Oh, Hugo, you suck real badly. <laughs> 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 like, I get it. I get it. 
um because he's like you know using the language of he's he's trying something but it's very white <laughs> mm. like yeah his his point being like oh us white people we call ourselves civilized but we act as savage as the dark people and it's like okay but you see where this you see the problem is the the intrinsicness that you have placed on mm. dark people here uh is you're assuming their savageness um yeah yeah because he's even like trying to be like oh it's good actually that they're savage about this yeah yeah. But then he can't untangle that from wearing their masks of darkness. Yeah. And then also that kind of does go against what he said before where he was like, revolution shouldn't be violent. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he has another passage about this again in a bit. I think it's when it's directly talking about the um, ABC. So it, it, I'm, I'm sure it comes shortly where it is quite a lot of the like debate of like, we can't blame the everyday citizen for for not rising up. We we, you know, violence is bad, really. So, yeah, it's. Uh, uh. <laughs> he does love to flip flop on us. He does. Well, facing these, uh, well, yeah, to con- use his language for it, yeah, to facing these savage citizens who are admittedly very ferocious and terrifying. Uh, but for the sake of good, are these other mm. men smiling, braided, star-spangled, silk-stockinged, in shiny shoes mm. who um, want to preserve the past, the Middle Ages, divine right, fanaticism, ignorance, slavery, death penalty, war. As for us, if we had to make a choice between the barbarians of civilization and the civilized representatives of barbarism, we would opt for the barbarians. Uh, um, okay. But thank heavens another choice is possible. <laughs> <laughs> thank heavens we live in Paris, France. And so, <laughs> oh God. Neither despotism nor terrorism. We want uh. the gentle incline towards progress. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot this part of it. So I guess just now when it was like, well, yeah, but at least he's kind of being like, savages are good this time, actually. But then he's literally like, well, thank God I don't actually have to side with that uh, yeah. comparison I just made. There's always yeah. another choice. Gentle. Literally. Oh my god. God sees to that, Nima. Makes slopes gentler. That's the whole principle uh. in which God operates, Nima. Yeah. So thank God for that. (laughs) The end. (laughs) I can't, yeah, I just... God. Every time he makes a (laughs) semi-okay point, and then he just, like, undermines himself Mm. to me, personally. Yeah. I'm glad you're here, because, like... Exactly what he always does to us. There's been like, yeah, even especially just in this one episode where you're like, oh, here's his singer. And then the next sentence you're like, fuck. Because <laughs> I was actually like, oh, Hugo, do this really impassioned. Like, yeah, you've used savages, which you've only ever used as like a bad thing yeah. for people of color. But like, you're saying it's good this time. So I'm going to like deliver this. And then you get to literally the sentence after you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> You got some of the benefit of the doubt and you made a fool of you and me. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like, um, uh, do it once, call me fool. Do it twice, call me fool. Do it three times, call me fool, I guess. <laughs> do it throughout this however many thousand word book. Call me the real, real fool. <laughs> Boo-boo the fools. <sighs> but... Uh, Next chapter, <laughs> Enjolras and his lieutenants. Hell yeah. So we slugged. It was hard. It, it was, was a hard. struggle. I guess we've not changed the way we felt about Hugo. He's just consistently like this. Yeah. But we made it. <laughs> it to the was plot. long and hard, like that one revolutionary's pistol <laughs> under his hot vest. <laughs> 
I still don't really know how he feels about Louis Philippe, even though he wouldn't stop telling me. <laughs> well, it's complicated. And also, it wasn't Victor Hugo's opinion. It was the shade, the spectre. The shade. The man himself. Not the mm-hmm. man himself. Opposite Not the, man. the man himself. Just his grave that's next to... Is <laughs> Fellas, is it gay to have your grave be next to another fella's grave <laughs> and your graves are like letting each other off the hook for any of your like questionable behaviour? <laughs> Asking for a friend. (laughs) In my head, I was like, what can I do to be so respected by French society that my grave is placed next to Victor Hugo's and Louis (laughs) Philippe's? I don't think there's anything. Sorry, Nemo. The campaign starts now. Hashtag Mm -hmm. get Nemo's grave next to Victor Hugo's (laughs) and Louis Philippe's. Um, In between them, uh, a nice little sexy sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> and the toads will be fornicating on all of your graves. Yeah, because we've already set that up. Just how God intended. Mm-hmm. God made that gentle slope so that the toads could reach, <laughs> as God is wont to do. Yes, we we've connected the dots. Um, <laughs> all this to say, this has been Bread and Barricades, a layman's podcast produced by me, Newman Martin, and Julian Yap. It was a Captain's Collection podcast. Um, if you would like to fund my attempt to get into uh, Victor Hugo's grave, then you can donate to our Kofi or to our Patreon. The, dis- the links are in the show notes. Our audio designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. If you'd like to leave us a review, you can on uh, iTunes, or you can give us five stars on Spotify. If you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, especially about how the UK sucks, (laughs) you can send us an email to our email, lemispodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S, podcast at gmail.com or to our twitter l-e-s-m-i-s podcast or to our tumblr at bread and barricades and i think that is everything thanks thank you thank you for listening (laughs) thanks this is why i don't remember any of these parts because i (laughs) read them once and was like well that was enough for me and i don't (laughs) think that i and i skim read skim read them so i was just like yeah 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 (laughs) That's me here in perfect uh, comparison, one to one of this, when I was the sickest I've ever been with tonsillitis in Australia for that one month and quarantined in a room with only the Twilight books that I read them all start to finish properly one time each. And then all the other ones I read just like 30 times a piece, except for the one where it changes to Jacob's POV for a bit. And I was like, I don't need to do that. I've done it once. <laughs> it's oh exactly like that, I guess. Nima. Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs>